Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. We're now going to pause questions, and I would like to invite the host to join me in a moment of reflection. Today marks one year since the Prime Minister addressed the nation and asked us all to stay at home to combat the spread of coronavirus. Speaker Lindsay Hoyle paused the House of Commons at midday to remember those who have died from COVID-19 one year on from lockdown. As I say, nobody ever could have envisaged the numbers across the world that's been lost and the sacrifice that this country's played. But as I say, a big thank you also goes to the NHS workers, also to those who've been involved to make this country tick over, whether it's transport, whether it's in shops, it is important to us all. So what I would say is, can we now please stand as I invite members to stand for a one minute silence. Around the country, flags flew at half-mast and people stopped to take a moment of reflection, such as the paramedics at the London Ambulance Service, whose chief executive, Garrett Emerson, says was hit hard by the infection. It is a life-changing experience that we're all going through and I think it'll be a while before we can truly process what that means. But for the organisation, for the London Ambulance Service, it's obviously been a major, major challenge. We've been busier than we've ever been in the last 12 months. We've had to put more ambulances out on the road, answer more calls in both 999 and 111 uh, and respond to more patients than we've ever had to before. In London, nearly 15,000 people have died from coronavirus. The infection is still with us, so lockdown is still here. Over the last 12 months, that measure to protect us has had its own effect on the capital, one that will last for years. The Evening Standard's Jonathan Prynne is here. And Jonathan, there's a report out today from the Centre for Economics and Business Research, and it really shows how hard this city has been hit by lockdown, doesn't it? It, it really does, David, yes. Um, London has borne the brunt of it for all sorts of reasons, but primarily because it's so dependent. I think maybe we didn't even appreciate this until until the pandemic hit, but it's so dependent on, on that, that daily um, stream of commuters who come in every day and spend money in, in uh, shops, restaurants, bars, etc., etc. But perhaps even more importantly, the 20 million foreign tourists who come to London every year, central London in particular, and spend huge amounts of money, huge numbers of billions, all that has gone, all of it. Most of the commuters have gone as well. And that's dealt a really huge blow to the economics that, that, that of, uh, of central London in particular, the West End and the city in particular. So you've written that it's more than £50 billion that has been lost in London over the last year and you say that that's the equivalent of the entire gdp of bulgaria that's gone i mean how do we recover from that i think it's going to be tough uh, and in fact a, a, a separate report which came out from the 
GLA yesterday, where they've sort of crunched the numbers looking looking into the future, and they've they drew up three different scenarios of of, of recovery, uh, and, and and it looks like almost under any scenario, there's going to be a degree of long-term scarring to the London economy. Most forecasters now think it's likely that the old five-day-a-week commuting model is is dead, is gone forever. And the question is whether we'll get back 80% of, of our commuter days or our worker days in central London, 50%, 40%. No one knows, but Everyone seems agreed it's extremely unlikely it's going to be 100%. At the same time, how long is it going to take before we get back to 20 million tourists, foreign tourists a year in London? Um, I mean, that will be down to virtually zero this year. So for the foreseeable future, there are going to be very substantial headwinds facing the central London economy. And if the commute is effectively dead, as you said there, Jonathan... It's going to take a lot of those, particularly, I'd guess, retail jobs with it. They're dead too. I think that's right. I mean, retail, retail, traditional retail was in a in a terrible death spiral anyway, long before we'd even heard of COVID. COVID has 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 brought forward trends by a decade. Some people are saying, and unlike hospitality, which has also been badly affected, but will probably bounce back. Retail ain't going to be bouncing back anytime soon. In fact, it's probably the, the, the you know the likes of Debenhams and and House of Fraser and these businesses that have been so bad and Topshop of course so badly affected um, through the sort of combination of the move to online and the and accelerated by COVID uh, yeah those jobs are, are dead and buried. Is there room for new industries in London? If we look a year from now, will things be different? I think that's the hope. I mean, London does have this incredible sort of hybrid vigor and vitality because of because it's always been this extraordinary great global melting pot and and crossroads i think areas like life sciences and and certainly what what they call the sort of flat white economy tech life sciences culture um that's probably where the future is for london and, and london growth and that that sort of it's actually much less dependent on the traditional 726 from from Godalming that uh, you know that that sort of financial services and some of the other big London industries uh, are dependent on. When this lockdown was announced one year ago, Jonathan, did you expect this to happen? No, not at all. Maybe there were a few kind of learned ep- epidemiologists who thought, yeah, we'll we'll still be we'll still be in lockdown a year on, but. I think like most people, I thought, oh, gosh, this this is this is painful. But come June, July, it'll be over and we can move on and get our lives back. I don't think anyone saw the severity and duration of the second wave, which really began pretty much when the schools went back in September. And here we are not far off April and we're still in it. So, yeah, it, it's a very, very sobering thought that here we are a year on. Fortunately, we do seem to be getting on on top of the the medical crisis, hopefully for good. But the the, the economic crisis, especially for central London, is is really only just beginning. I think. 
You can read more from Jonathan and the rest of our comprehensive coronavirus coverage in the Evening Standard newspaper or online at standard.co.uk. Let's do some ads now and please do hit the follow button on your podcast provider so you never miss our news, analysis, interviews and commentary. So one year on from the start of lockdown, where are we? Has it worked? Is the vaccination programme a success? Are fewer people catching and dying from coronavirus? Our Deputy Political Editor Nicholas Cecil's here. Nicholas, what are the latest figures for London? Case numbers have been going down for months now in London. And interesting, this morning, the latest figures showed that the seven-day rate for the age group 60 and over has now gone below 20 confirmed new infections per 100,000 people a week. The reason why this is important is that this age group are the people who are far more likely to suffer severe disease from covid to be hospitalised and also very sadly to die. So if case levels are getting this low, it means that the impact of the disease is is going to be far less. Which all sounds very positive news. And we, of course, have this roadmap to come out of lockdown ahead of us. But the public health bosses in London are urging us to just keep going, aren't they? Just get over this final hurdle before lockdown ends. Yes, this was uh, Professor Kevin Fenton, who's the London Director for Public Health England. He's highlighting that the figures are going the right way and, and it looks like the relaxation of lockdown will probably carry on given the data. And, and for example, in Hackney in the City of London, the seven-day rate is da- now down to 15.5. Uh, for the capital of, as a whole, it's 36.5. But there's some boroughs where it is still noticeably higher. For example, the highest at the moment is Hillingdon at 74.6. And also, I think Boris Johnson in coming weeks may face some difficult decisions because there's increasing disparity between some regions about um, the infection levels. For example, if you look at Yorkshire and the, the Humber, the, the rate there is uh, nearly 110, 109.1, which is three times the rate in London and the South East, which very much leaves the question open, can you lift the restrictions on a national basis when the disease levels are so different? And then we also have this third wave that the continent is experiencing. Germany has just extended its lockdown restrictions because of a rise in infections there. Boris Johnson has admitted that the third wave is likely to end up on these shores too. Is that a big concern for the UK right now? The experts say that Yes, there is likely to be a surge in cases this summer, but that this is unlikely to be similar to the first and second wave. Uh, and the reason for, for this is that Britain has really had a world-leading vaccination programme. Already we've seen more than 28 million people get a first dose jab and over 2 million get a second dose inoculation. Professor Callum Semple from Liverpool University, he was stressing this morning that that if we can win this race to get people vaccinated before this third wave um, hits hits our shores, then you're going to be seeing far, far fewer deaths, far fewer hospitalisations and severe cases of the disease. So 
if that is possible, then it means that you can keep the economy and society far more open than previous times where they've had to be strict lockdowns just to stop the disease spiralling even further out of control. And that's the Leader Podcast. We're back tomorrow at 4pm.